Welcome to the Celebration Church Podcast. We believe God wants to speak into your life through this message. If you're interested in knowing more about Celebration Church, you can visit our website at celebrationedmonton.com and find us on Instagram and Facebook at Celebration EDM. Thanks for joining us. We hope you enjoy this message. So this series called How to Eat an Elephant. Um, the idea comes from this old saying, uh, how do you eat an elephant? You do it one bite at a time. And if we're going to change the world, which I believe that's God's call on our lives and on his church, part of being a part of his church is also reaching the world. Um, we can do it. And it sounds like a big job, and it is. And we're going to do it one person at a time. But we must start with ourselves. Change in us requires the inner renewal that David is begging God for in Psalm 51. David fails, he commits adultery um, with Bathsheba and he's messed up and he's begging God. He then writes Psalm 51 and he's begging God for a renewal within him. If we're gonna renew the world back to Jesus, we need our own renewal first. Jesus said the harvest is plentiful, but the workers are few. We need renewed workers. Renewed workers with a hunger and desire for God to do his work in their life, for the Holy Spirit to be present and at work in people's lives. And so last week we went through verses one to five. He says, be gracious uh, with me according to your compassion. Wash me. I've been sinful since birth. He's just crying out about um, God's grace in his life. And now this, this week we're gonna go through Psalm 51, verses six through nine. He says, surely you desire integrity in the inner self. By the way, if you're following along, I'm reading from the Christian Standard Bible. He says, surely you desire integrity in the inner self. You teach me wisdom deep within. Purify me with hyssop and I will be clean. Wash me and I'll be whiter than snow. Let me rejoice, sorry, let me hear with joy and gladness. Let the bones you have crushed rejoice. Turn your face away from my sins and blot out my guilt. So what led to David's um, failure in the first place? David allowed his earthly desire to overrule his fear of God. He lost his reverence, his awe of the Father. Like he just, he lost his, maybe respect is a word for it, for, for God's plan and purpose for his life. David was a man after God's own heart and he's in, in need of an inner renewal of that. And it seems as though his season of plenty, in his season of plenty and blessing, David has forgot all that God has done for him in, in his life. It's so easy for that to happen in your life and mine. Man, it's so common, so easy for us just to simply forget all that God has already done for us and continues to do for us and be for us. God took David from being this youngest in his family, this ignored, overlooked little shepherd boy to being the king of Israel. And I just wanna encourage you today, if you feel ignored or overlooked, maybe God has left you in the wilderness to prepare for the kingdom that he will eventually bring you into, like David. And so David begins this next part of the Psalm in verse six, and he says, surely you desire integrity in the inner self. Integrity is honest, strong morals. 
There's a couple other ways we see this said in like the NIV, uh, they use the word faithfulness. Like you want me to be faithful. In the ESV, they, they say you delight in truth. Like that's what God delights in. It's, it's like, oh, when he sees, here's truth. When he sees truth on the inner, inner parts of us, he delights in it. Uh, Eugene Peterson wrote it this way in the message. He says, what you're after is truth from the inside out. You're not just looking for me to speak truth. You want that transformed in me. So what does this mean? And by the way, um, if you're getting nervous about how long I'm taking on this first part of the line, we're gonna hang out here for the majority of the message. Okay, this one line, we're gonna hang out here. So, so don't worry, we're not, you know, we're, we're not gonna have like a 90-minute sermon this morning, um, but we're gonna hang out on this line, this idea of integrity on the inside for, the, for a good part. So God is looking for an inner renewal. In fact, when Samuel selects David from his family to be the Lord's anointed. Look what he says um, to his father. When they arrived, Samuel saw Elab, one of his brothers, and he thought, surely the Lord's anointed stands here before the Lord. But the Lord said to Samuel, don't consider his appearance or his height, for I have rejected him. Wow, what was going on in Elab's life that God rejected him? I don't want that. The Lord does not look at the things that people look at. People look at the outward appearance, but the Lord looks at the heart. I think it can be a um, constant temptation and distraction to constantly have in your mind, what, what do people think of me? What, what okay, what is, how, how are they perceiving me? And we start to almost put words in people's mouth. And an inner renewal of the fear of God stirs up a what does God see life? We filter our mind and our heart, our thoughts, what's going on. We filter it through God's will for our lives. As sort of this um, idea that I was working, as I was working through this week, sort of thought about this idea of inner obedience versus an outer obedience. And here's the mistake that I've seen in my life and I think can operate in many people's lives is we think God is after outer obedience. We think we should act certain ways because that's what we're supposed to do. It's what people see. We wouldn't want people to look at us poorly. So um, we, we start to develop this idea and we might not verbalize it this way, but we start to develop this idea that God is looking for outer action alone. If I do these actions, God will be happy with me. We, we think that and, and we want people to see that outer action. Like we want people to notice us. That's exactly what the Pharisees did. I'll give you this example. Like maybe we're, we're gonna show up to work on time because we want people to see what a good employee we are. We want our boss to recognize how amazing we are. That's outer obedience. But inner obedience is as a desire within to please the Father and you don't really care if anybody notices. Like it's a desire within that's like, God, what you're looking for is what I'm after with my life. And I don't care what people think of me. I don't care if anybody pats me on the back for this. I am after what you're desiring on the inside of me. And so if you use the show up um, to work example, you're like, I wanna show up to work because I love it at work. Because I believe in the mission of my work. Because I know it's what's best for me and my company if I show up on time. See, outer obedience is temporary. It's hard work. It often leads to burnout because it depends on the acknowledgement of others to notice what we're up to. 
But inner obedience, after a while, it often doesn't feel like obedience at all because it's an outpouring of our love for the Father. Outer obedience does it for people to see. Inner obedience does it out of love for the Lord. It comes from what God's Spirit is stirring in us. And spiritual renewal, if we're after spiritual renewal, if we're gonna change the world, but we want ourselves to be renewed first, spiritual renewal produces inner dissatisfaction for disobedience. You don't care, if, you don't care what people see. What happens is you're just, you're just dissatisfied with disobedience. I'll say it this way. Spiritual renewal takes the fun out of sin. Which sometimes sin can be fun. Spiritual renewal awakens you to the will of God in your life. It won't make you feel ashamed of how you're acting. Instead, it will just leave you feeling hungry for more of him. Hungry to please the Father. Oh, if we would get a hint of something that God wouldn't want in our lives, we will run away from it. And God wants a renewed spirit within us. As we seek this renewal, like David did, we must ask ourselves, do any of my standards for what's right differ from God's? Do any of my standards for what's right differ from God's? Do I get my idea for righteousness from my feelings or opinions or from the word of God? Or maybe I'll say it this way. Do I allow God's word and his spirit to convict me or do I just want him to comfort me alone? But it's integrity that we're after. Sometimes I think we can confuse what God's saying to us um, because God speaks in two different ways. And sometimes it can get jumbled in our heads. God speaks in two ways. He speaks with the logos word of God and the rhema word of God. The logos word of God is his Bible, his word. And then there's the rhema word of God, which is an impression on our spirit. When you hear, oh God, God spoke this to me. And, and, and God can often work together in those things. As you're reading the logos, the rhema will impress something on your heart. It's beautiful. But you can learn God's, from the Logos, you can learn God's nature, that he's compassionate, he's loving, he's a God of justice, he's holy. You know, everything you could ever wanna know about God is in the Logos. And then there's the Rhema word of God, and that's his spirit speaking directly to you. It's such a blessing, it's incredible. The Rhema, the word Rhema means impressed on your spirit. It's rarely, if ever, audible for most. Some people experience the rhema in dreams. But most usually, we would experience it like, uh, almost like the bass drum here this morning, like, or, or just bass in the, in the subs this morning. It's like, oh, I can feel that. You know, you know what I'm talking about? It's like, I don't really need to hear the music. It's loud enough, but I want to feel the music. Do you know what I'm talking about? Okay. And... Yeah, so that's usually how we'd experience it. It's almost like your own voice, but there's like an oomph to it. And it's like, okay, I know that that was God there. And so sometimes what happens is we feel our own personal relationship with God 
allows us special privileges to act how we see fit. This um, manifests itself in, in ways like you'll hear people say, well, that's between me and God. That's none of your, that's between me and God. That's none of your business. Or you'll hear people say, oh, God told me this or God told me that. And I don't want to discount that whatsoever. But what I'm trying to get at with the idea of integrity is that you cannot decide on righteousness based on the Rama word of God alone. Right. Our standards for righteousness come from the Logos word of God. And so anytime we're trying to sort out what is God's desire and design for my life, we look to the Logos word of God to clarify and to cleanse the, our, our worldview. And if we are uncertain, we use the Logos word of God to temper the Rama word of God. What we don't want to do, scary when we do this, what we don't want to do is we don't want to confuse our voice and the Rama word of God. And so sometimes if we're not careful, we don't honor that, that thing, that Rama word. We, we just think like whatever comes to mind is, is God telling us. Scary place to be in. But both the Logos and the Rhema Word of God can renew a right spirit within us. When you have a spiritual renewal of the fear of God within you, you start to become scary to the enemy below. Like when you have this renewal of the fear of God, this, this cry, like David says, renew integrity within me. All of a sudden, it's like terrifying to the, the, the darkness the, the enemy, Satan, however you want to, you know, say it. Because this is what happens. The enemy below, Satan, devil, whatever, and his demons, they mess, they, what they do is they mess with our spirit from being renewed. How do they do this? Four simple words. It's four simple words. It starts right at the Bible and it's happening today. Four simple words to mess with us, to hold us back from integrity to, to, to stop us from all that God has planned for our life, four simple words. Did God really say? That's what the serpent said to Eve. Did God really say that? Did, and did, that, that was his method with Eve. It's his method today. It's not that we don't in, uh, desire integrity. I think we all you know, have a desire for it. But what happens is we come up with our own standards for integrity. Did God really say that? I'm not sure. Or you'll hear it said this way. I think that's Old Testament thinking. You ever heard somebody say that? I think that's Old Testament thinking. And sometimes we can get a little bit, um, we can put ourselves back under the law, um, which isn't good either. But, what Jesus did for us on the cross does not throw out the entire Old Testament. You have to understand that there's still principles in here that God would have us live by today. And in fact, Jesus specifically spoke to some of the things that we no longer have to live under, but it doesn't mean that the whole Old Testament is thrown away. And sometimes finding our own lower standards uh, is attractive because God's just seemed too high. I'll say it this way. Uh, I grew up in a house with four boys. 
And my parents, at time, uh, they would go away to like conferences and stuff, and they would give us specific instructions on how we were to live when they were away for the weekend or for the couple of days that they were away. And so what we would do is we would, whenever they gave us these rules, we would find the loopholes or the gray areas to live in those things. <laughs> so they would say uh, stuff like this, no sleepovers when mom and dad are out of town. You guys got it? No sleepovers. You don't sleep at anybody else's house. Nobody sleeps at our house. No problem, mom and dad. We got it. So what we do, we have a bunch of friends over and we'd stay up all night. You said, no sleepovers, mom and dad. They say, do not drive our cars when, you, when we're away. Don't drive our cars when we're away. No problem. We drive dad's truck instead. Um, I just feel like that would be the enemy's method today as well. If he could just get you to sort of live in the gray and to, to sort of discount, oh, I'm not sure that's for me or this is for me or that's for me. Integrity is that we don't want to be easily moved from our moral position to please God. Not because we want to live by these strict rules, but it's out of an outpouring of love for the Father. God, we love you so much. We wouldn't want to break your heart. The next line is so important. David says, you teach me wisdom deep within. One of my favorite commentators, D.A. Carson, says this, in all of human nature, sin is without excuse because it is contrary to God's desire and contrary to the wisdom of God taught by the all-pervasive voice of conscience. It's like, God, I don't want to just rely on my conscience today. I actually want a renewal of my conscience. I want my conscience even to be closer to you. Wisdom within. Something happens on the inside of us where we start to get hungry to please God. God, help me to think, love, and act like you today. I know I'll never be perfect, but would you develop my conscience to be aware of you, to be wise? Would you help us have the mind of Christ? Help us have the mind of Christ, Lord to live with the intent that, that our lives produce God's desires, that our lives would produce God's desires. What David is basically saying, he's like, show me where I'm missing it, Lord. God, I, I know I've missed it here, but just show me in general where I'm, where I'm missing it. I want to be right with you. Just have a, I'd have a desire for your spirit to be with me wherever I go. Don't take your presence from me. That's, that's part of the next line we're going to get into next week where he's like begging God, just whatever you do, just don't take your presence from me. And I think that sometimes we miss it because we experience some things and as we experience life, as we go through life, we can, if we're not careful, think that God is not keeping his promises to us. We fail because when our experience doesn't line up with God's promises, we sometimes take matters into our own hands. I love this in Romans 4, 20 to 21. 
Abraham's body was near dead. And, and Paul's just talking about his good, you know, what a man of God Abraham was. And Abraham still believed God's promise that he would be a father. Paul writes, um, yet he did not waver through unbelief regarding the promise of God, but was strengthened in his faith and gave God glory, being fully persuaded that God had the power to do what he promised. Can I just say for your life and mine, God still has the power to do what he promised. That no matter what our experiences are, no matter what we're feeling today, God has the power to do what he promised in your life. Don't lose that. We need a renewal and a reminder that God's promises are for today. They're yes and amen. And that he still has the power to do what he's promised in your life and mine. What we do when, when our expectations aren't being met, we often try and take control. Well, God, you didn't provide, you didn't heal. Why should I live up to your expectations of me? Why should I live up to, to your, you know, your direction for my life? I think for what I see is that we love the idea of Jesus being our savior. But when it comes to the reality of him being our Lord, it takes a little bit more work. I would even say this, that, that for Jesus to be our savior, we can accept that in a moment, but often for him to be our Lord takes our whole life. It takes a whole life of, of continuing to go, oh God, you need to be Lord of that. Lord, this area is not surrendered. I thought it was surrendered, but as I, as I let you stir up the soil of my heart, I realized, oh, that your word wasn't taking root there because there was some bad soil. Lord, teach us inner wisdom to trust your promises regardless of our experience. And then there's this line that might not make a ton of sense and hopefully this helps, helps it make sense this morning. He says, purify me with hyssop and I will be clean. It's actually pretty cool. When I first read it, I was like, what the heck is hyssop? Is that like licorice or something? But, but uh, you'll see in Exodus 12, 22 and Numbers 19, we won't get into those this morning, but the hyssop plant was used to renew and remove sin. To not just renew you, but to actually pull the sin out and remove it. And so David's like, I want that inner renewal. Would you just cleanse me, purify me and actually re remove it, God? I want something new. I love springtime because there is a renewal happening. Such a beautiful time of year. It's a reminder that we need that renewal in our own lives. And Jesus' blood does that for us. See, they'd have to go and sacrifice an animal, get the hyssop plant, dip it in the blood, go and do the whole thing. And we just get the, the blood of Jesus that today we can get that renewal and removal of that sin from our lives. This is just a simple reminder when we're feeling unworthy, when we feel exhausted or frustrated, that our nature has not changed yet. We can be reminded that Jesus cleanses us and removes our sin from us. I'm gonna quote Lewis here again, um, which I did last week a few times. If you have not read Mere Christianity yet, I would suggest that it's like one of the books on your list for this summer. If you're not a reader, 
just read it anyway. Put it, I don't know, figure it out. Get an audiobook and then listen to audiobook a hundred times because audiobooks don't work. Um, sorry to just drop that on you, but it, they didn't work for me. Anyways, maybe it was my heart. I don't know. But mere Christianity is incredible. And I just love the way Lewis can find a way to put words to this. He says, give me all of you. I don't want so much of your time, so much of your talents and money, so much of your work. I want you, all of you. I have not come to torment or frustrate the natural man or woman, but to kill it. No half measures will do. I don't want only to prune a branch here and a branch there. Rather, I want the whole tree out. Hand it over to me, the whole outfit, all of your desires, all of your wants, wishes, and dreams. Turn them all over to me. Give yourself to me, and I will make of you a new self in my image. Give me yourself, and in exchange, I'll give you myself. My will shall become your will. My heart shall become your heart. We want inner renewal for him and him alone. And then David goes on to say, let me hear joy and gladness. Let the bones you've crushed rejoice. So what does that mean? Is he like, uh, God, you broke my ankle, fix it? Kinda, not, not exactly. David uses this language of bones throughout the Psalms. Bones represented emotional suffering. So when he speaks of bones, he's not just, he's not talking about a broken ankle. He's talking about the whole person. It comes back to the same idea of renewal that we've been walking through. Let me rejoice in being right with you again, God, as I've suffered long enough. David is giving us into a window into the reality of suffering for our sin. You see, our sin can be forgiven, and it is, thank God, but there's still consequences for it. I think many of us know that because we've suffered them ourselves. Your sin is forgiven, but there's still consequence for it, and David has to live out that consequence. And that's why it's so important to have a renewal of the fear of God, because the fear of God helps us avoid the pain that sin brings. It has many earthly and eternal benefits. David is asking God to restore him to personal wholeness, a renewal back to how things once were. And if you read the story of what Psalm 51 is responding to, the story in 2 Samuel 12, it's pretty wild because um, God actually kills the baby that comes from this whole adultery situation. And we're not going to get into that. It sounds intense and there's you know, more to it than that. But after David finds out that the baby dies, what does David do? He goes and he worships God. He does not change his view of God based on his current experience, but he goes and he worships after this horrific thing happened. And at the end of this thought in Psalm 51, he paints this picture of how good God is. He says, turn your face away from my sins and blot out all of my guilt. Turn your face away is referring to forgiving and forgetting. That's the compassion of God. 
that there's not just a forgiveness, but there's a blotting out, that that purify me with the hyssop. There's actually a removal that God would actually forget our sins. Amazing. Because of the blood of Jesus, you and I are not only forgiven, God goes the extra mile and he forgets it. And if we're not careful, we live with a familiarity of his goodness that we just sort of forget how incredible he really is. We need a renewed fear, a renewed awe of the Father. I'll give you one more Lewis quote this morning. This one's from Surprised by Joy, his autobiography. He says, I had approached God or my idea of God without love, without awe, without even fear. He was in my mental picture of this miracle to appear neither as savior nor as judge, but merely as a magician. And when he had done what was required of him, I suppose he would simply, well, go away. It never crossed my mind that the tremendous contact which I solicited should have any consequences beyond restoring the status quo. If we're not careful, we can develop a heart towards God like this. God, come and do your magic. And then let me get on with my life. And then when we don't see the magic that we've been praying for, expecting, whatever, we feel like God has failed us. It's like, where's the magic, God? And here's the reality of how God works. It reminded me of my little baby, Clover. And she's like 18 months old and she loves to snack. And uh, as her dad, uh, she's always like wanting something and I, I hook her up and um, she'll, we'll give her, I should probably give her bags like this, honestly, but we give her these like little cups to hold her snacks in. And she's just kind of silly and doesn't really pay much attention. She's just kind of living her life. And we provide these snacks. And as she walks around enjoying the, the freedom that she lives in and the, the, the provision that we so graciously provide for her, she will walk around and she'll drop these little snacks all over the place. And she, she probably drops 10 for every one snack that she eats. And she doesn't notice, but as her dad... I spend a lot of my time following her around, cleaning up the snacks. That's what I spend most of my time at home doing, to be honest with you. But she doesn't even notice. Nor do I like make her like worship me for that. You know what I mean? Nor do I make her acknowledge what I'm doing. But she doesn't even notice that I spend so much time out of love for her and care for those around her, I go around cleaning up the mess that she leaves. Can I just tell you that God is consistently doing that in your life and mine? We don't even realize sometimes the way our, our words hurt people, the way our actions can at times mess up the world around us and hurt those around us. But thank God that he sent his spirit to follow us around and we don't deserve it, but he comes behind us and he cleans up the mess.
And if we're not careful, we can get a little entitled. Like, God, where have you been? Where's the magic I've been asking you for? And he's like, I've been here following you around, cleaning up your mess because I love you. And I think today some of us just need a renewal that brings a new sense of awe and thankfulness for what he continues to do in and through our lives. Renewal comes from repentance. Thanks for listening with us today. If you enjoyed it, check out more messages like this at celebrationedmonton.com or on the Celebration Church mobile app. If you'd like to partner with us financially, you can give on our website at celebrationedmonton.com. Come back next week to hear another great message.